Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. The information age can be overwhelming, especially when the information can't always be trusted. But for the past 180 years, readers around the world have turned to The Economist as their trusted news source, delivering in-depth expert analysis of a wide range of topics. Listeners get a one-month free trial when they sign up at Economist.com. That gives you unlimited digital access to daily articles, special reports, great podcasts, subscriber-only newsletters, and so much more. Take the guesswork out of staying informed. Go to Economist.com to sign up. Hey guys, Ready or Not 2024 is here, and we here at Breaking Points are already thinking of ways we can up our game for this critical election. We rely on our premium subs to expand coverage, upgrade the studio, add staff, give you guys the best independent coverage that is possible. If you like what we're all about, it just means the absolute world to have your support. But enough with that, let's get to the show. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. We have an amazing show for everybody today. What do we have, Crystal? Indeed, we do. Lots of interesting things unfolding right here in the nation's capital. We finally got the text of that border plus Ukraine plus Israel deal, and there is something <laughs> for everyone to hate. Apparently, oh, yes. um, we will get into what's in it, and also it's increasingly long odds of actually passing. Um, at the same time, we are taking a look at the fact that AI is already taking white-collar jobs. In spite of the fact that tech has, in many ways, recovered this year, um, record revenues, all that kind of stuff, they are still shedding jobs, and AI appears to have a lot to do with it. We're also going to do a little uh, review, possibly debate, I'm not sure, about the Apple Vision Pro. Sagar and I, believe, have oh, yeah. different assessments of the I'll utility tell you all about it. <laughs> and the future yeah. of this thing. Jeff Stein is coming in studio to give us a breakdown on a very simple question. How is the economy? Um, actually, a very challenging one to answer. Say, I wish it was simple. <laughs> yeah, it should be a simple question, but it actually is really not. Um, we have an American general who is saying that Israel is completely failing in their stated objectives in Gaza. This comes as the U.S. has been caught lying about whether or not they actually gave Iraq pre-notification about those strikes over the weekend. And we're also taking a look at one provision in that border Ukraine-Israel bill that would permanently ban funding from UNRWA, that is the main aid agency on the ground to benefit Palestinians, what that could mean, and also actually got a little bit of a look at what the allegations are. And let me tell you something, guys, those allegations against UNRWA employees, completely devoid of any evidence. So a lot to get to this morning. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about everything for today's show. Before we get to that, though, we did have our RFK Jr. focus group that just happened last night in the state of Michigan. It was really interesting. We've already gotten some amazing results. And I think you guys are going to be really struck and in some cases, honestly, moved by some of the uh, reasons why people uh, support RFK. A lot of it having to do with just a rejection of the two-party system. So I think it's really going to resonate. And for our premium members, you guys get to watch it early and you get to support work like this. Breakingpoints.com. We have a discount currently available for our annual members. But it's always good to hear from people directly, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. Griffin, Griffin was there on the ground um, during the focus group. So he gave us a little bit of a preview of what mm -hmm. to expect. And I'm personally really looking forward to watching it and hearing from from these folks, um, why they have decided to throw in with RFK Jr. And he also said they're very optimistic. Yeah, very, yes. Very optimistic that he could actually win and be the next president. So <coughs> that'll be really interesting to listen it's to. It's going to be exciting. I think you guys will enjoy it. We'll release it as a podcast, again, exclusively and early available to our premium members. So breakingpoints.com if you want to take advantage. Now let's move to the 
areas of the border bill, which were paired with aid, military aid to Ukraine and to Israel. Senator Schumer had a stunning pronouncement on MSNBC yesterday in his advocacy for the bill, where he said that if the bill is not passed and money is not given to Ukraine, America will regret it because then American troops will have to be sent to fight in Ukraine. Here's what he had to say. Well, if we don't aid uh, Ukraine, Putin will be walk all over Ukraine. We will lose the war. And we could be fighting in Eastern Europe in a NATO ally in a few years. Americans won't like that. If we don't help Israel defend itself against Hamas, that perpetual war will go on and on and on. If we don't help humanitarian aid to the starving Palestinians in Gaza, hundreds of thousands could starve. And the border, everyone has said it's chaos. A speaker, you just saw Speaker Johnson, he said it's mm -hmm. chaos. We have to do something legislative a few months ago. But what has happened, in answer your, to que your question, so this is crucial for America. It's a turning point. History is going to look over our shoulders and say, did we rise to the occasion? To his credit, Mitch McConnell did. But too many Republicans, yeah. including Speaker Johnson, are just scared to death of Donald Trump. It is insane that <laughs> the way that they act like they would have no choice in the matter. I know. But to send our sons and daughters right. to die in Ukraine if you don't give them even more money than they've already given. This, and you know what's amazing in this bill that I think it was Michael Tracy mm -hmm. that pulled this out. One of the provisions of the bill is that the Ukraine funding includes that we have to come up with a strategy for Ukraine for the future. Yes. It's like, wait a second. Aren't you supposed to have a strategy already? We've been at this for years at this point, and you're admitting you just literally have no strategy for how this is going to end? Guys, we actually have that. Can we put A7, please, up on the screen? I will read directly from the text of the bill. He says that uh, the House of Representatives will have a strategy regarding the United States for <coughs> Ukraine oh, against aggression. That such strategy <coughs> must be provided for a multi-year established specific and achievable mm. objectives defined and prioritized. U.S. national security interests. This will hasten Ukrainian victory against Russian invasion forces. I do want to spend time on this because it's one of the most dishonest things that people who are pro-Ukraine say. They're like, well, if, we, if Ukraine is defeated, then American troops will have to fight. Why? Ukraine's not in NATO. It actually doesn't change anything. If uh, Latvia is invaded, then yeah, that's a different story. Then yeah, we would be in a fight because they're in NATO. Ukraine's got nothing to do with NATO. Ukraine is a former Soviet state, which has no security obligation, zero from the United States. I would also say it is the most stupid argument because it's one of those where it's domino theory in reverse. For example, Crystal, currently the line is to support Taiwan, we have to support Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because if Ukraine falls, then China will be emboldened to support Taiwan, uh, to invade Taiwan. And what right. my friend Elbridge Colby, Colby always points out, if you think Taiwan is under threat, then you should support weapons to Taiwan and more Navy destroyers in China, uh, the South China Sea. That has to do with Taiwan. But don't try and do all of this convoluted jujitsu about, well, if this happens and this may happen, which may you know invite somebody to do this. No, 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 Make the argument on its face. And the reason they can't is because the Ukraine war is a failure and a disaster. Since the day of that spring offensive, if you want to call that, from the Ukrainians, they haven't advanced a single inch of territory. They have squandered probably up to a million of their own citizens. They are currently undertaking a draft, which includes people who are blind, disabled, and barely functional in their 50s, throwing them into a meat grinder. So sad. Begging us for more bullets as they sacrifice their own people. And at at the same time, have been completely militarily inept to apply any tactics <coughs> that have even remotely worked in retaking their territory. It's their fault. They decided not to take that peace deal back in 2022, many supported also by the United States. Mm -hmm. And now the two of us are in this you know, death grip where we're watching the failure of our policy just go apart. Zelensky, by the way, I should say, is in free fall. He's firing his top commander. Why? Because the guy admitted to The Economist that it's a stalemate. That's why he's firing him. He's, you know- <laughs> For the uh, crime of being honest. The crime of being honest. The, he's uh, firing many top ministers. He's finally allowing some of the 
tip of the iceberg corruption to come to light, who knows how many billions were squandered and were stolen you know, by the Ukrainian oligarchs now at this point. The only humanitarian thing and strategically important thing you could do would be to sue for peace as soon as humanly possible. But honestly, at this point, they have squandered their chances such that the Russians just yesterday retook a city. If I were the Russians at this point, because America is so distracted and all this thing, I would take the whole thing. I would, I would, I would roll through the whole country as much as I could. And it's their own fault that they got themselves into this position. You know, good luck with your drones and your F-16s and all that. I mean, it's about men, it's about bullets, and you were never going to be able to do it. I mean, it's really our fault, too, though, for sure. pushing them into this war and giving them all the insurance assurances that we would be there forever and we would back them forever and give them what we they needed in order to succeed. So, I mean, our hands are incredibly bloody with this entire conflict. And so I do think it's very revealing that within this uh, document, within this bill, pledging additional support to Ukraine. It's like, oh, and let's also come up with a strategy. Um, the only strategy at this point is how do we possibly get to another place where there can be negotiations and diplomacy yes, because that's, right. that's the only way this is going to end. And right now it's already a complete disaster. We already missed the best moment that would have achieved for Ukraine the best deal that they were possibly going to get out of this situation. Right. That's just the sad truth. Absolutely. And you know, and then they can't complain is that, oh, we sacrificed so many people. It's like, well, welcome to the logic of the first world war. You should have tried to settle it whenever you could. Sad. You should have listened to the wrong it's, guy. Honestly, it's heartbreaking. On Israel as well, there's just, you can't even make some of this stuff up. Let's put this up there on the screen, again flagged by Michael Tracy. He says uh, and points out, all of the $17 billion appropriated for Israel in this bill, any congressional uh, notification requirement applicable to funds made available under this heading in the act for Israel will be waived if the Secretary of State determines so in the national interest of the United States. In other words, it specifically exempts Israel and Ukrainian funding <coughs> from congressional oversight, mm -hmm. meaning that you are not allowed to, as we saw in the past, ask any inquiries about corruption, ask any inquiries about whether this is compliant, this military aid with US law, like for example, violating the Leahy Act and not being misapplied against civilian forces or any oversight whatsoever. So what is the point? Like imagine Congress coming in and being like, we wanna abdicate our responsibility, but it actually makes sense because they don't wanna know what the right. money and the uh, weapons are being used for. They just wanna turn them over and then look the other way and well, just pretend that it doesn't exist. It's just codifying yeah. what has already been reality Correct. with this White House because right. we've covered how multiple times they've skirted congressional authorization to rush through. They've skirted their own State Department policies to rush through whatever weapons shipments that they want to. So this is just codifying what has already been reality and what the overwhelming majority of members of Congress have already accepted. And to that point, put this next one up on the screen, it also um, has a provision here that would skirt any authorization debate about the ongoing U.S. operations in the Red Sea in Iraq and Syria by simply handing over $2.4 billion to cover those operations, no questions asked. So they wouldn't have to go to Congress for anything, wouldn't have to go, you know, even to ask for additional money to continue these illegal operations, uh, bombing three different countries. This would, you know, tie that up with a bow as well. And uh, by the way, kudos and, and great thanks to Michael Tracy for reading through yeah. the entire bill and pulling out these key provisions, which of course we're not getting covered by the mainstream That's, press. Course, no, I didn't see a single, everyone, yeah, everyone's focusing on the border shit. Sure, we, we did too. We did a whole hour on it just this morning. But guess what? It's not the only thing that's going on in there. All of this is what the national security complex, this is their thing of wildest dreams, free money, no oversight. It's like the continuation of the Pentagon budgets. And just think about it too. When you fund a foreign war, you may wanna know what's actually going on inside of that war instead of issuing empty threats like Senator Schumer did in the beginning. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your your perfect home sweet home. 
Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Let's move on now uh, to the discussion around AI. This is something, Crystal, which, uh, by the way, tease, um, we answered a question in our AMA about UPS workers. There was a major story about how UPS is laying off 12,000 people. Now, many people who were anti-union picked that up, and they're like, see, they had to fire a bunch of people after they negotiated a conflict, but or a contract. Guess what, though? It turns out, let's put this up there on the screen, that many incorrectly assume this is going to affect delivery drivers. No, 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 no. It turns out that the larger group, quote, of white collar workers are being fired because UPS is now testing artificial intelligence and machine learning tools, ramping up its use of both across enterprise. This fits with larger firings that are happening all across the white collar market, most importantly in big tech. Let's go to the next one there, please, because what's very important is this question. Why is big, big tech still cutting jobs as they flag in the New York Times? The economy's doing well. There's stock prices at are all-time highs. Meta stock just made records, all these others. So what's happening? Well, what they say is that instead of hiring thousands of people every quarter, the companies are now spending billions to build AI technology they believe could one day be worth trillions. Not only that, they're not only investing in AI crystal, they're in many cases are trying to replace as much as their workforce. The reason we're flagging this is that this is just totally counter narrative to the 2010s discourse around AI and around machine learning. Yeah. Everybody assumed the truck drivers would be first out of work. Oh, it's actually the truck drivers who are getting paid and still have their jobs. It's the white collar supply chain logistics guy who was directing routes from one place to the other, which was automated out of business in a matter of two years after the invention of this technology, which is stunning. I and mean, it's totally counter to the way that everybody expected the economy to go. And it does show us, I think a white collar apocalypse is absolutely on the horizon. Uh, like, like a decimation of HR, anything low level starting out, Things that are, you know, Excel jockeys and all that stuff, that stuff is going to be gone. Yeah. It really is. All that can yeah. be automated Easily. already. Easily. You know, I mean, some of the harder things to automate is like care work, you right. know, some of the manual labor that really requires the human touch, yeah, the whole delivery drone idea <laughs> like, hasn't yeah. worked out, right? You still well, they need don't work all those, yeah. You still need those <laughs> delivery drivers, exactly. Um, so um, it, it's ironic because it is the opposite of what people were originally thinking. They were originally thinking that blue-collar workers would be hit hardest. I do think there's still some risk for truck drivers based on California and Texas yeah, and some of the um, you know autonomous vehicle technology and the development of that, although it appears to still have some some major issues, but there's still a push in that direction. But I do think that this is really a harbinger of things to come. And uh, in many ways, this uh, so-called apocalypse is already upon us, mm -hmm. given the fact that, you know, the tech companies, many of them struggled last year 
and um, revenue was down, and there were mass layoffs. Many of these companies had massively staffed up, staffed up during the pandemic because, of course, there was like a tech boom during the pandemic years. They had way too many people on board. Then when you know people went back to more normal behavior and there was a loss in their revenue, they had to adjust. Well, now revenues are back up. Many of these companies are doing extraordinarily well, and yet the layoffs in some instances continue. And it's not because they can't afford to hire the people. It's because they would rather have a robot who, mm -hmm. you know, can't call in sick and doesn't have all the like human being issues and maybe faster, ultimately, depending on the task and more efficient than the human being is. So they'd rather move in investing in that direction than investing in human capital. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, to consider the layoffs. Let's go to the uh, next part where we have a slide here which shows all of the companies that have had mass layoffs in 2024. You'll notice names like Salesforce. You'll notice like SAP. You'll notice uh, Vroom. A lot of technology companies are included that are on the list. In addition to major retail, the reason that you're seeing names like Microsoft, TikTok, Google, you know, uh, eBay, and Sports Illustrated, Discord, Amazon, Pixar, NBC News, almost all of that crystal can be traced back to either too big expansion during the pandemic mm -hmm. or artificial intelligence. And I think AI, especially in big tech, is the number one story because it's not that they don't have the money. They're printing money more than ever before. Their stock prices, like I said, are at record highs, but they're investing specifically in technology which will replace their overall workforce, and they see it as superf superfluous. You see the same thing actually in some of these news organizations, which is, it's the same problem, and we'll, we'll probably do a story about this soon. The mass layoffs in the media industry are about one single thing, the collapse of the original click model. And the reason why that the BuzzFeed model and all that no longer pays is because of a fundamental change in advertising. But what you have seen too, what have those companies done? They're investing in ChatGPT, mm -hmm. AI written articles, because they realize <coughs> having to pay salary, HR, and you know all these other benefits for these human beings, which can be you know relatively easily changed, is one that they're gonna make that trade every single day. So I think this is the biggest story in white collar work. And uh, many people, I think, have a lot of hubris. They're like, well, I got a college degree. You know, I can't be replaced. It's like, well, yeah. it turns out a lot of you can. Yeah. And you know, you should really, if you're 18 years old, I urge you to think about this. The physical world is not going anywhere. People will be needing to build things, repair things, HVAC, plumber, trade school, and all that. And if you want to go to college, you better damn well be studying something that cannot be automated out or make yourself indispensable somewhere. Because and it's, it's honestly difficult to predict. It's too. very tough. It's who could have predict. said this five years ago? Nobody. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. So um, the other thing that I'll say is if, you know, it also shows why it's not just blue-collar workers who need worker job mm -hmm. protection and unions to be able to advocate for them and to try to, you know, prevent as much as possible the, the layoffs that we see. White collar workers obviously in need of that as well. Okay, we have a great guest standing by, Jeff Stein. Let's get to it. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. The information age can be overwhelming, especially when the information can't always be trusted. But for the past 180 years, readers around the world have turned to The Economist as their trusted news source, delivering in-depth expert analysis of a wide range of topics. Listeners get a one-month free trial when they sign up at Economist.com. That gives you unlimited digital access to daily articles, special reports, great podcasts, subscriber-only newsletters, and so much more. Take the guesswork out of staying informed. Go to Economist.com to sign up. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. 
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Joining us now to answer what, in theory, should be a simple question is actually a very uh, politically fraught one of how is the economy actually doing is our Fred Washington Post economics reporter, Jeff Stein. Great to see you, sir. Thank you, guys. Um, Before I jump in, also plug your podcast about John John Brown, Brown. which is fantastic. If you guys like Dan Carlin, long-form history podcast, American Radicalism, check out American Carnage. Thank you, everyone from uh, Breaking Points who found the show and listened and subscribed. Rate, subscribe, five stars, share with a friend. Yeah, it is fantastic. I really do encourage it. It's very relevant. I mean, history is always interesting, but relevant to current times as well. All right, so let's put this up on the screen. We had a big jobs report on Friday, some 300,000 plus, 353,000 jobs added in January. Of course, the White House is saying, we're back, baby. The economy is actually amazing. We're going to run on it. Um, Americans less certain that they feel so great about the economy. You know, just give us a sense of how you analyze these numbers and what you think the overall picture of the economy is like right at this moment. I think it's a little hard to describe the economy without running the risk of sounding like an MSNBC shill. Mm-hmm. Um, well, give us both sides then. Well, I yeah. think from the perspective of the White House, you've had two consecutive years of sub 4% unemployment, which is the lowest yep. and the, the longest consecutive streak below 4% since the 1960s. The job market continues to surpass that of any other major industrial country. You had um, a recent report with very strong wage gains outpacing inflation for over a year now. You've seen um, the number of Americans working as a share of the labor force continue to be extremely strong. Hmm. Um, And yeah, I think that there's really no doubt at this point that the economists like Larry Summers, who were adamant that bringing down inflation would require millions or tens of millions of Americans to lose their jobs, that that was just fundamentally wrong. Mm-hmm. Inflation yeah. has come from 9 to 3%. It's not solved. We can get into the rebuttal and the, yeah. and the counter-argument. But we have brought, seen huge declines in inflation to the point where, I don't want to get too into the weeds, but this idea of core PCE inflation, which sort of strips out like volatile measures and looks at like the underlying fundamentals of inflation, those numbers have come down sort of to where they were in 2019, 2018. And that is huge at a time where the economy is adding jobs, where um, payrolls are continuing to grow, where you're seeing increases in in private and public sector employment, retail, white collar work, manufacturing up to um, above where it was under Trump, healthcare, all these sectors are growing really fast. And it seems like the investments that the administration made in green energy, in chips, in infrastructure is beginning to really buoy the economy in a very important way. should I get into the the flip side, I think is the American public is still catching up to the pain of inflation. And that's probably the number one reason that people still don't give Biden a lot of credit. The hangover from inflation, you may have seen inflation go to 3%. But as you guys know, when you go from six to nine to three, you're still cumulatively way up from where you were before. And so people don't necessarily measure things on the same time horizons that economists in Washington do. And that is, to my mind, completely rational and completely understandable. You've also seen when the COVID safety net disappeared and the inflation raging at the exact same time, the hardship indicators, and I think this doesn't get nearly enough attention Mm -hmm. in Washington that's so focused on the labor market, but hunger, poverty, um, those kind of uh, lack of insurance, the safety net has really frayed in important ways and ways that contradict the increase in wages that have outpaced inflation. And you've seen, I think, 2022, according to Feeding America, the biggest um, food bank in America, they um, said that the that this was last that 2022 was the biggest spike in hunger in American history, mm-hmm. um, 44% increase in hungry kids. I mean, that is tremendous suffering at the bottom and lower middle class, and a lot of those people are not, you know. Um, you know, some people will say that, look, the middle is um, doing okay, but the bottom has done very well. And there's mm-hmm. some indicators that 
wages at the very bottom have grown the most. But people who are making 70, 60K a year who have suffered and have not seen their wages rise on trend with where they were before, before the pandemic, they are still not like, you know, the rich, rich, yes, you know, exactly. rich people. And, and to say that that's like <clears throat> the privileged of America, I think is really misreading the current moment. So I've, I've filibustered for too long. No, 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 no. no. These, this is great because that's exactly what I wanted to get to, which is that you have a narrative about how the economy has gotten better. And on paper, people are like, yeah, at least the, the White House and others. And if you're in the top 25% or whatever, it's probably fair. But then you also have, as you said, in sticky inflation. Inflation time horizon extends years. It, we don't measure prices in quarters. We think about the most of our lives for 2% inflation, and then we have 20% inflation. You're like, what the hell happened? So it's one of those where the experience of the economy is different. Now, at the same time, we do see things that are trending up in terms of consumer sentiment and others. So where, what indicators can we look at for how people who are experiencing the economy feel about the economy going forward and how that's gonna Im impact politics? Because I know the Biden White House is probably tracking that the most closely. Yeah, I mean, so sentiment, like how people feel about the economy is at a three-year high, highest right. it's been since 2021, since yep. before inflation. And that seems to be primarily driven by gas prices staying low and the stock market being high. Yes. If you're asking like, what is the, the last mile there for getting people to actually feel good about the economy? We looked at a survey recently that found that the number one reason that people still say that inflation is hurting them is at the grocery store, that they still feel every time they go, and I don't know if you guys do your grocery shopping, but yes. it just feels incredibly random to yeah. people where it's it like yeah. this thing that was like, I remember in my you know very right. recent memory was like $2 and now it's six and then it goes down and then, it go, then something else yeah. goes up. For me, it's chicken. It's like seeing the price, I'm just like, I cannot believe this. Poultry prices painted, yeah. actually were a huge right. thing that exploded even last year when grocery hmm. prices overall yeah. plateaued. Guys, right. put C3 up on the screen while Jeff is right. talking about this because he just had a piece at the Washington Post. The headline is, inflation has fallen. Why are groceries still so expensive? Um, so what did you find there? Well, what the White House has been saying um, is that corporate profits continue to rise. We're seeing basically the producer price index, not to get, in, get, get into yeah. the weeds of econ talk, but the producer price index, which measures the input costs for firms, mm -hmm. has fallen dramatically. And that has not necessarily resulted in consumer prices so it's declining subsequ subsequently. And what the White House put out analysis saying is that corporate profits in this sector are at a 20-year high and remain two percentage points higher than they were before the pandemic. And that's a lot of money. That's billions of dollars on the table. Yeah. Most economists I talk to will say that the overwhelming driver remains things related to climate change and supply chain shock. So that's, you know, everything from avian flu, which killed like 80 million birds or something insane. Florida got ravaged by hurricanes and you had like a crippling of citrus production. So there's all these like weird idiosyncratic things. But as long as natural disasters keep striking different parts of the world in weird ways, you're going to have these like weird yeah. price volatility in grocery stores. And I think... Sagar, to get back to your point earlier about like how people view the economy, one thing that like economists who are more sympathetic to Biden will say is that people externalize price hikes. They like view those as outside their control and they internalize wage gains where they're like, mm. I did that, I got that job. Because mm. like, of course, people earn their raises and they feel like they should get credit for them. And I totally don't think that should be taken away from people. But it's also understandable that people don't see that often the same factors that push up Inflation are the same reasons that their pay goes that's up. Interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. So they're not like Joe Biden gave me a raise, which is very understandable. That totally. people would not think of it in that in that he particular didn't. way. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but it's also like it's a it's a problem for like as you guys know, there's this school of macroeconomic policymaking that's like taken over the reins of the Democratic Democratic Party that said we need massive Keynesian stimulus, yes. and if that leads to a political situation where people are mad because they don't see the inflation as their responsibility and they see the wage gains as, as something they did, that is an untenable answer politically mm. to the next time we have a recession. So some of the theories that I have seen of why Joe Biden, I think the latest poll had him at, I think, 36% approval on the economy. He's still dramatically underwater on the economy. People give Donald Trump much higher marks on the economy in terms of his economic stewardship in spite of, you know, the labor market and the low unemployment rate and the wage gains and even consumer sentiment being at a, a multi-year high. Here are two theories that I've heard about why that's happening. 
One of them is, it's the media's fault. Like, people are being tricked into thinking the economy is bad because of all the doomerism. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people are saying that. Um, And then the other one is that it actually is just another indicator of people are like, this dude is too old, and I just don't really think he's capable of doing anything. I don't think he's capable of handling the economy. I don't think he's han- capable capable of handling foreign policy. I don't think he's capable of like doing a Super Bowl interview. And so the perception, and I would say reality, of him as this you know very aged man is weighing even on his economic approval numbers. I don't want to be too uh, normative or didactic. Like, I don't want to take too firm of a view because I think as a reporter, we can like fairly evaluate these kinds of theories and Mm -hmm. other theories and give them, you know, respect and and treat people (laughs) who are making these arguments, um, like take their arguments seriously. But I think I'm (laughs) one of the few people who has like taken Americans at face value Mm -hmm. and understood and, and seen good reason for some of the things that they believe. Like we had... The, as Sagar was saying, the fastest inflation in 40 years. And then there's this question of like, why are people upset? Like their wages were not keeping up with inflation in the, at the worst level that we were seeing in decades. And your point, Crystal, is like, well, if economic sentiment is up, mm-hmm. then why isn't that leading to Biden's approval on the economy going up? And I, someone could throw this back in my face in a few months, but I think... With sentiment going up, we're going to see Biden's ratings on the economy also go up. It's still so recent. Like, the increase in consumer sentiment is just a few months old. And it took a very long time for cooling inflation to lead to better sentiment. So it makes perfect sense to me that it will take time for better sentiment to lead to better economic ratings for the president. If they don't, I don't think it's implausible to say, like, maybe, like, they don't like this guy because he's so old and that's it. You know, like that seems like a plausible theory. Um, the idea, I mean, maybe I've been too too defensive about this, but what you're alluding to is, you know, there's Will Stansel and, and others have said mm-hmm. like, it's the faults of the media. You guys hate Biden. And that's the reason people are sour on the economy. And maybe like it's rational for me as a reporter to be like, I'm not responsible for, yeah. for that. But like at the same time, like your argument is that the media would have been more friendly to Trump like if if inflation had happened under Trump, like right. we would have been, I don't know. That I, that is hard for me to countenance. But I but some people argue it. Yeah, know? that's excellent. A, that is a great point. Yeah, excellent points, Jeff. Uh, it's always great talking to you, man. Everybody, go and subscribe to his John Brown podcast. And uh, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate great it. Great to see you, Jeff. Thanks so much, guys. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. The information age can be overwhelming, especially when the information can't always be trusted. But for the past 180 years, readers around the world have turned to The Economist as their trusted news source, delivering in-depth expert analysis of a wide range of topics. Listeners get a one-month free trial when they sign up at Economist.com. That gives you unlimited digital access to daily articles, special reports, great podcasts, subscriber-only newsletters, and so much more. Take the guesswork out of staying informed. Go to Economist.com to sign up. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. 
All right, guys, a stunning admission on Sunday TV this weekend when former CENTCOM commander General Frank McKenzie made this revelation about how the Israeli operation is going in Gaza. Take a listen. U.S. intelligence estimates Israeli forces have killed about 20 to 30 percent of Hamas fighters since October. That is far short of destroying Hamas. Um, how do you judge the level of success of Israel's campaign? Well, it's very limited so far. You know, I think they set themselves a goal of removing the political echelon and the military leadership echelon of, uh, of Hamas when they went in. They have not been successful to date at doing either. And these campaigns are nonlinear, so they don't necessarily go from day to day. You could have a big breakthrough here and things could change suddenly on the ground. But I think the larger issue, at least for me, looking at it is you have to have a theory for what it's going to look like when it's over. Uh, you know, what's, what, what's going to happen in Gaza? And we've had some people that have talked about it earlier on the show today. And I think it's important to consider that. You need, you need a vision of an end state when you begin a military campaign because everything you do then subtracts or adds to your ability to get mm -hmm. to that point. And I would argue that needs to be something like a two-state solution. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to need help from the Arab nations uh, in the region to go in there and, and, and yeah. do something in, uh, in Gaza. I think Israeli occupation would be the least desirable of all outcomes. So just think about that, what he's saying. He says their success, military success, is, quote, very limited so far. This in spite of the fact that somewhere around 30,000 Palestinians have been killed. The bombing campaign has been more devastating than historic devastating campaigns like Dresden. A majority of buildings in all of Gaza have been damaged or destroyed. And yet, in spite of all of that, their actual stated objectives, which as I have talked about many times, do not appear to be the real objectives of the operation. But in terms of the stated objectives, the success has been, quote, very limited so far. Yeah, it's really crazy. And then in terms of the overall U.S. military, we have some crazy new reporting from Ken Klippenstein and our own Ryan Grimm. Let's go ahead and put this up there on the screen. It appears, Crystal, that the White House falsely said that it had warned the government of Iraq of impending airstrikes. The reason that this is very important is, number one, uh, they lied and they straight up said at the press conference that they had done it. And then only later on did they claim, quote, for operational security, we did not provide any official pre-notification with specific detail on these strikes. The reason why this is really important beyond the fact that our government just straight up lies to us about whenever they bomb right. countries is that many of, and this is part of the even crazier political element to this, the groups which bombed and helped kill these Americans, many of them are officially part of the Iraqi government. And in fact, the Iraqi prime minister has been visiting uh, militia members who were wounded in U.S. airstrikes in the hospital. Just to show you the level of convoluting here, because he has deep ties to Iran and the Iranian militias have run the country now for 20-some years. It's been an incredibly important you know, aspect of that. But it just gets to some of the craziness. Right now, the Biden administration is engaged with the Iraqi government to keep our troops in the country. So at the very same moment that we are bombing said country and bombing elements of that country which have ties to that government, we are also trying to keep our troops in that country, all because of a war in God. Make it make sense to me. It doesn't. Some, somebody please make it, make it make, make sense. sense. I, of course, because when you explain it, people are like, what? What are you talking about? But they don't want you to know. They don't want people to ask any questions about this. They just assume you can drop bombs on, you know, there was a time when I was a child where we actually weren't bombing anybody. It was, you know, it's interesting to consider. It, it's only a very modern phenomenon where there's things just happen and people die in a far-flung place and you go, what were they doing over there? And then you go back to watching The Simpsons or whatever and you yeah. just forget that it happened. And the U.S. government can't right. even really tell you. Yeah why they're there right. or what they're doing. And consider, I mean, not to go back to the Iraq war, but consider the utter failure of the, you know, real goals of that war, totally, which was yeah. in in part to serve as a check on Iran. And now Iran is like basically yes. running the country. Not basically, so, they are running the country. So yeah. great job on yeah. that one. Once again, guys, yeah. way to go. You really <laughs> did what you, you know, meant to do and meant to accomplish there. And that's the part that just drives me insane is they know that there is no military solution to Hamas. They know that these strikes are not going to do a damn thing to deter these militias, to keep our service members safe. They know all of that, and yet they do it anyway. Mm -hmm. They know that the only way that tensions actually de-escalate in the region and can return to some sense of normalcy and stability 
is through a ceasefire in Gaza. And yet instead they pursue this policy of just like sporadic bombing and, you know, apparently lying to the American people about what they're doing and who they told about it. Reuters confirmed, we can put this up on the screen, that the U.S. did not give pre-notification to Iraq ahead of strikes. Um, this reporter from Reuters says, hey, this is directly contradicting, contradicting what the White House said on record on Friday that the Biden administration did indeed notify the Iraqis ahead of time and uh, put the next one up on the screen as well, you know, to the point of they know that this isn't going to work, that it's not going to deter anyone or keep any of our service members safe. The Iran-backed groups have continued to target American bases as the U.S. plans further strikes. And yet these are the same people, Sagar, uh -huh. who want to tell us that, oh, it hasn't spread into a wider war. It's still contained in Gaza as we literally bomb and, you know, take incoming in three different countries. It's just, you know, it's absolutely preposterous. So a U.S. military official confirmed there were fatalities from an attack on the Al-Omar oil field, part of a complex that includes a U.S. base and is jointly controlled with the American military. Those uh, casualties were not Americans. They were um, some uh, allied militias that uh, took that incoming and, you know, suffered fatalities from these attacks. Syrian Democratic Forces, U.S. allied Kurdish militia said six of their fighters had died in that drone strike on Al-Omar. So the bottom line is here, we've taken, uh, we've seen more than 165 attacks on American bases with rockets, missiles, drones, or mortars since October 7th. As I've said a hundred times, the only time when these attacks stopped was when there was a ceasefire. For six days, when there was a ceasefire, these attacks stopped. And the Houthis all but stopped what they were doing on the Red Sea as well. It is plain as day what the correct strategy is here to protect our service members and to actually achieve de-escalation in the region, and yet they refuse to actually pursue the policies that would lead in that direction. Yeah, I mean, it's stunning whenever you read this because it just shows that the expansion is likely. Also, you know, increasingly, we just, we only, unfortunately, we're only paying attention when people get killed. And obviously we should pay attention. But there are a lot of that, these service members who have been wounded, who have been suffered traumatic brain injuries. Also, these Syrians, they were under our protection, yeah, just so everybody right. knows. They were on an American airbase, and six of them died. I mean, you should think, our troops are not that far away. Mm -hmm. It's probably a miracle that our people didn't get killed in that attack. And once, no one can answer this question, why are they there in the first place? Why are they sitting ducks? The Iranians have the luxury of being able to move about the country as they please and go back to their country if they want to. Our people are sitting on the same base with no change in strategy, a government that is lying to their own people. And you know, even the troops there, how, how could you have any confidence in the Biden administration right now? Oh yeah. After what's happening, I, I cannot tell you how badly I feel for them to just be sitting there you know, with not the support that you need, a populace which is basically distracted as to your plight. And of course, as we said, it all comes comes back to Gaza. At the same time, let's put this up there on the screen. Uh, Netanyahu saying that the war in Gaza will not be over before the killing of Hamas leadership, quote unquote, stressing it will take another few months. So doubling down on the strategy, Crystal. And uh, really, I think they're coming under intense military pressure, maybe at home. You can tell me if I'm wrong, to try. They're like, hey, you said you're going to kill the Hamas leadership. You haven't killed the Hamas leadership. You haven't, you know, Yah, what's his name? Sinwar. Yeah, yeah, uh, he remains yeah. inside these tunnels, uh, surrounded by hostages, allegedly by the Israelis. It's like, well, if you know where he is, what are you going to do about it? Right. And then it comes to the question of, well, clearly you've been doing this now for, what, it's February 6th. So tomorrow is, what, the four-month anniversary, I believe, of the attacks. So it's a quarter of a year uh, that we've had this happen. And you haven't been able to, with the world's most advanced technology and a ground invasion and all that, you haven't rescued a single hostage. So what are you going to do about it? The hostage situation now is almost certainly going to be resolved through maybe ceasefire negotiation. Mm -hmm. It yeah. remains up in the air as of today. Secretary Blinken uh, met with MBS yesterday, but that's all the progress that we have so far. Yeah, and I mean, I think this yeah. cuts against the idea of a, a ceasefire being negotiated right now, as we covered yesterday. Netanyahu is under intense pressure from the far right, Ben Gavir and Smotrich's of his coalition who are throwing, threatening to blow the whole thing up, blow up his entire governing coalition if he were to take some sort of deal 
of the type that Hamas will be willing to accept. Um, the more quote unquote moderate parts of his coalition are on the other side of that. So he is, you know, being pulled in both directions and you know, outside of his own ideology, which has been very clear over time, his number one interest is in his own political self-preservation, mm -hmm. which again, cuts in the direction of, you know, placating the right, keeping that coalition together, trying to keep the war going for as long as possible. And in lieu of achieving actual military success, bringing to the people these images of horror and destruction in an attempt to cover for the fact that the goals they claim to support of destroying Hamas are never going to be achieved. Even if they get Sinwar ultimately, which may happen, I don't know, um, the, the actual goal of eradicating Hamas was always a fantasy from day one, something we've been talking about the entire time. It's not difficult to predict. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. The information age can be overwhelming, especially when the information can't always be trusted. But for the past 180 years, readers around the world have turned to The Economist as their trusted news source, delivering in-depth expert analysis of a wide range of topics. Listeners get a one-month free trial when they sign up at Economist.com. That gives you unlimited digital access to daily articles, special reports, great podcasts, subscriber-only newsletters, and so much more. Take the guesswork out of staying informed. Go to Economist.com to sign up. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. So at the same time, there was one other aspect of that border Ukraine-Israel bill that we wanted to dig into with regard to Israel, which is that the bill officially permanently cuts aid to UNRWA, which is the primary humanitarian organization to the benefit of Palestinians, not just in Gaza and not even just in the West Bank, but the entire Palestinian diaspora around the region. You can put this up on the screen. It has the, the text of the bill. So the, um, the commentary here is bipartisan border Israel-Ukraine package blocks all funding for UNRWA from the U.S., its biggest donor. Let me read you the text. It says, none of the funds appropriate or otherwise made available by this division and Division B of this act and prior acts, blah, 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 um, may be made available for a contribution grant or other payment to the United Nations Relief and Works Agency, otherwise known as UNRWA, notwithstanding any other provision of law. So you will recall that on the very day that the ICJ, relying in part on some of the testimony and some of the analysis of UNRWA officials, when they've ruled that Israel may be plausibly committing genocide, on that very day, the U.S. suddenly jumped to and said, oh, we received these quote-unquote highly credible allegations about a dozen UNRWA employees out of, I think, 30,000 yes. participating in October 7th, <clears throat> allegedly. And they described this as, you know, intelligence that they got from the Israelis that was highly credible. Okay. So on the very day that the ICJ says we need to increase humanitarian aid to the Gaza population, which is literally starving to death, we, the main backer of UNRWA, pull our funding, and that triggers a cascading effect where some 13 other countries or something cut their funding as well, dramatically dealing a blow that will further 
starve um, and uh, impoverish the Palestinian population in Gaza. So uh, I actually was able to look at the allegations that were made by the Israelis. A source sent me a copy of what has been passed around to various news outlets like the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal that they just out and out run with. It is incredible to me. Like, I didn't think I could be shocked by this saga, mm -hmm. but it is actually incredible because it is literally just a evidence-free list of allegations. Literally like a list of names and this person did that and that person did that. And they say, oh, it's based on identification cards and other intelligence. But no actual evidence is provided. Now, maybe they did participate and maybe they didn't. I can tell you there's definitely not enough that has been provided to say anything about this. Again, zero evidence provided. But second of all, these people have already been fired just based on the allegations. And so they are cutting, they are collectively punishing the entire Palestinian population over uh, evidence-free allegations against a tiny handful of employees of a large organization. It's truly stunning. Um, at the same time, the a State Department spokesperson yesterday was pressed on um, the, the funding of UNRWA and is using this text in the bill, which hasn't even been passed yet, in an attempt to justify their cutting of the aid to this vital humanitarian organization. Let's take a listen to that. Obviously, uh, the, there, there is text in this pending legislation uh, right. that would preclude us from doing so. Right. Um, we are an administration that follows the law. Right. That being said, right. uh, in this uh, pending legislation, there is $10 billion for humanitarian assistance, right. of which $1.4 billion um, is for humanitarian aid for Gaza. This is an issue we take very seriously. We also believe, even prior to this um, conversation about the supplemental, we have, as I told Simon, been uh, unambiguous, in my opinion, about the critical work that UNRWA does, not just in Gaza, but in other parts of the region as well. So amazingly, he says, oh, we're an administration that follows the law, which, by the way, is a complete lie. <laughs> when it comes to Israel, they just do whatever they want, clearly. Or when it comes to bombing random countries, they clearly do whatever they want. They do not follow the law. But also, again, this bill hasn't even passed yet, and they're using it as some kind of cover to justify their unilateral decision based on zero evidence to cut funding to this agency. Yeah, Crystal, after reviewing the dossier, uh, which you know you so graciously helped share with us and that we can provide for everybody else, I don't want, I want, I just want to say like you are really not exaggerating. Uh, I will not read, you know, because there's some identifying details, but they literally just say, quote unquote, was a Hamas operative. He entered Israeli territory on 710 and participated in actions. That's it. That, like, that, right. I just read a direct quote. There's about no like an individual. photographs or here's right. the exactly you know right. cell phone inter yes. literally nothing. Right. I mean, not even on the level of remember those supposed audio intercepts mm -hmm. that were so laughably like sure. fictitious that they would start nothing. It's just so and so did X. Baseless, no evidence, nothing. I, I truly am stunned by it. Not because I don't put it past the Israeli government. And I, I guess I should, you know, shouldn't have any sort of expectation for our news outlets at this point. But both the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal just ran with this. Zero yes. evidence. I mean, we're just, you know, YouTubers over here, yes. podcasters. Right. We would never run with something that had no no basis whatsoever other than the Israeli government says X, Y, Z. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, it doesn't fit that editorial standard at all. And it just goes back to uh, a question about like just straight up belief and also why, you know, you have to really, you have to evaluate what people are saying. And you have to see like, you can't just take their word for it just because, you know, you may be friends with them or in the Wall Street Journal's case, you may have once been a soldier for them. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. uh, it's one, yeah, I mean, some interesting questions too about the people who are reporting this stuff and about their own, you know, sc you know, some scrutiny in their own background, which look, you know, if you want to, if you are from Israel or whatever, that's fine, but it should probably be disclosed, no? Like in the report, if you're going to pass off something as exclusive and then in terms of the evidence, not provide any within that, especially when it has major humanitarian ramifications. And that's something that we could put, a, uh, put the fourth element, please, up on the screen. That was something that the uh, head of the World Food Program 
who, by the way, is Cindy McCain, just to note, in terms of her former, like, most pro-Israel senator in human history. Yeah, I also want to know what uh, her yeah. conversations with her daughter are like these yeah, days. Yeah, I, I would be curious. Uh, she says, quote, no other entity currently has the capacity to deliver the scale and breadth of assistance the 2.2 million in Gaza urgently need. Withdrawing money from UNRWA is perilous. We appeal for these decisions to be reconsidered. I found that interesting just because she technically is uh, part of the Biden administration, was appointed by the president to mm. the World Food Program. So there does seem to be, I mean, maybe at least consternation amongst the people who actually work in the space, as opposed to people who are looking at this purely in political terms. Yeah, oh, That's probably I, what it is. No doubt about yeah. it. No doubt about it. Um, I Just so you know, it's not just us saying that there's no evidence. Um, put this up on the screen from the Financial Times. This is a quote from them. Israel had not presented any evidence of its allegations to UNRWA, adding the US, UN agency had been forced to respond to leaks in the media of an Israeli intelligence assessment that at least 12 of its Palestinian employees had taken part in the Hamas raid. These included one accused of kidnapping a woman and another said to have seized the body of a slain soldier. The intelligence assessment, which has been seen by the FPT, provides no evidence for the claims, which it says are based on smartphone intercepts and captured identity cards. But the U.S. has said it found them highly, highly credible. And then um, we have one more element that we can put up here uh, from Owen Jones, but uh, breaking down a Sky News report. We were told originally there were 12 UNRWA employees out of 30,000 involved in October 7th. Now it's down to six. And Sky News reports that the Israeli intelligence documents make several claims without proof. And many claims do not directly implicate UNRWA anyway. Um, I can read a little bit of this Sky News report. <clears throat> they say that um, Many of the claims have no evidence, has not seen proof of, and many of the claims, even if true, do not directly implicate UNRWA. Um, the agency also never received any concerns about their staff members, and um, they are required, UNRWA is, to share a list of their staff with Israel every single year, and Israel never raised any concerns about any of these um, staff members. In addition, it's worth noting, UNRWA, as they write in Sky News, has paid a heavy price during the war. 152 of their staff have been killed in Gaza, and 145 of their facilities have been damaged. It's important to keep in mind, as we go through these claims against UNRWA, that Netanyahu and the right, but many other sectors of Israeli society have long had their sights set on the destruction of UNRWA because they believe since UNRWA, uh, their mission is to, you know, serve, they do schools and, you know, aid and humanitarian assistance to Palestinian refugees wherever they are, that they basically like keep the Palestinians from giving up on their claims to any of the land. And so they've long wanted to destroy UNRWA because they just disagree centrally with that mission and they think they sort of like keep the problem alive and keep Palestinians from ultimately giving up. So that's also the context for these claims that are being made. Yeah, the context is important because uh, UNRWA is largely, I mean, in general, you know, the Israelis, what is smart is that you want to attack anybody who is counter narrative and showing people what you're doing so that you don't have a complete monopoly on information from the situation and you don't have a monopoly on media coverage, et cetera. So you attack the people and the credibility of those who are against you. UNRWA has been a major, you know, person, a major party, which has been very counter to many of the Israeli claims about civilian casualties, mm -hmm. et cetera. So what do you do? You go after them. But overall, what I would really say is that this is the bigger media story to me because the U.S. government clearly did not do any due diligence yeah. that was based on this. They, they provided no evidence. And the, it's up to the media Wall Street Journal and others. I already see, you know, Ben Shapiro out there being like, Unreal is full of terrorists and all those other things. As you said, we're, you know, we're not going to sit here and be like, it's not possible. It's certainly possible. You just need evidence whenever you're going to support a claim, which also has a secondary organization with an aim that is overall humanitarian and clearly is undermining at a strategic level the Israeli government. So we should just treat that with skepticism. To me, this is a massive media story. That yeah. the fact that the U.S. press, and you know, why, why is the, look, it's not like the British aren't pro-Israel. Why is their press just willing to employ basic journalistic standards? The FT, great paper, is just like, yeah, I don't see it. Channel 4, same thing. But listen, they're not liberal by any means. They're just like, I don't see the evidence here. This is the dossier. It wasn't that hard, Crystal, like you said, for us to get our hands on it and just look at it and be like, It's literally this, a this page not, long. That's right. it. There's nothing provided with if, it. If, if, look, I, when I was a political White House journalist, I was provided with these fake dossiers all the time. I never printed them once, you know, ever, because I was like, this is just propaganda. You have to, to check it. You just have to be like, okay, he said this. 
So you call the guy and you're like, hey, is this what actually happened? And nine out of 10 times, they're like, no, that's a total misrepresentation about what is happening. Well, and it's not like UNRWA, I mean, probably really kind of unfairly given that no evidence was provided, mm -hmm. but they just immediately fired these people right. because of the gravity Maybe it was of right. even the yeah. allegations. Yeah. So it's also like, what do you even want them to do? And the Israeli government also, they said, hasn't shared with them any of the purported evidence. So they've already fought, fired the people. The UN has undertaken an investigation to see if there's any there there. They've already said if there's grounds for prosecution, they will be prosecuted. So it's also like, what else do you want them to do? And why does it make sense to collectively punish not just this entire organization, but the entirety of the Palestinian people on the alleged actions, evidence-free allegations, but alleged actions of six UNRWA employees or a dozen UNRWA employees or whatever. It's, it really is outrageous. And the last thing I'll say about the timing, because the timing is so critical here that it came on the same day as the ICJ ruling of plausible genocide. It's also punishment for the fact that UNRWA analysts and employees and staff members were quoted and were used um, in, in order to achieve that plausible genocide ruling. So there's also a, you know, a direct line between the fact that they were quoted in the report, in the ruling, and that they were attacked on that very day. Like, I don't think that those two things are a coincidence. I think it's direct retaliation for the fact that they were cited at all in um, the uh, the judge's ruling there at the ICJ. You're very likely correct. Uh, all right, guys, we had a great show today. Thank you so much for supporting us. Uh, we had that RFK Junior Focus Group, as we mentioned. We'll have a great counterpoint show for everyone tomorrow. Hopefully, Crystal and I's throats are gonna- Yeah, I take yeah, a little. It's rough here, I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. I need, need, a, need a break uh, here. I'm gonna let Emily speak mm, Thanks for Yeah, thanks behalf. for bearing with us, guys, as we're, we sort of- We're trying our best. As wise. you can see, we do work through sickness, as you can see here over at Breaking Points, and we'll have a great show for everybody on Thursday. The information age can be overwhelming, especially when the information can't always be trusted. But for the past 180 years, readers around the world have turned to The Economist as their trusted news source, delivering in-depth expert analysis of a wide range of topics. Listeners get a one-month free trial when they sign up at Economist.com. That gives you unlimited digital access to daily articles, special reports, great podcasts, subscriber-only newsletters, and so much more. Take the guesswork out of staying informed. Go to Economist.com to sign up. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.